Well, I add my welcome to you. Good morning. It's good to see all of you choose to be here today. Uh, there are many f- faces that I either just met in the, in the foyer or have yet to meet. I'm grateful that you've chosen to, to come and, and check out Stony Brook Fellowship this morning, and hopefully uh, your invitation has been a warm one so far, and your experience has been positive. Also, many faces that I recognize, I see here every week, and I'm equally glad to see you. And I enjoyed our, our time, have some coffee and connecting. It was a great way to start the day. And it's a good time for us to start our new sermon series here called Give Church a Second Chance. I want to introduce this by telling a bit of a story. This was uh, one of Karen's relatives, or her aunt, I believe, was very sick a number of years ago, and she went to the hospital to get treatment for what was ailing her. And as she went to the hospital, she received this treatment, but she also got a new sickness, a superbug, from the hospital itself. And that sickness proved to be quite a journey. It took a number of years for her to get well again. And there is a twisted irony in this, that the place that you would go to get well, like the hospital, could actually be a place that would leave you feeling even more sick. She's one of a number of people who will have picked up an illness like that at a clinic or a hospital. That is a common occurrence, unfortunately. But even so, even when that's been her past, where the hospital has given her a sickness before, uh, the next time her aunt is, is needing treatment, she is going to go back to the hospital because that remains the best place for her to get well. There's a very direct parallel here with the church. And the truth is that there are a number of us here today that the church uh, was not a place of healing. And you might have gone there looking for spiritual encouragement and, and healing, and instead, your church experience left you feeling sicker than you were before. It left you feeling unwell. Of course, I'm not talking about physical illness in this instance, but instead the hurt, the disillusionment, the legalism, the hypocrisy, the pain and the frustration that the church has caused in your life. And I wish this weren't the case. I wish that, that our church and every other church could just only lead to positive experiences, but I know that's not true. And so I want to kick off this sermon series with a disclaimer. And I really want you to hear not just information, but the heart behind what we're about to do. My disclaimer is this. Your story is your own. I don't know what you have been through. I don't know what the church has either done to you or for you or been to you, whether it's been an encouragement or a harm, your story is your own. And so as we look to build a case for why it's good to give church a second chance, we are not going to do this to diminish or to demean or to belittle your experiences. We are not going to put those experiences down. I don't want you to hear me or to think that I'm somehow saying that that was all okay or wasn't so bad. That's not our goal. Nor is our goal going to be to put Stony Brook Fellowship up on the pedestal. To think that somehow our church is guaranteed to to be a better experience than other churches in the past. I can't guarantee that because we are not a perfect church. We are a group of imperfect people who are doing our best by the grace and the power of God to live in a healthy fashion but we're not putting Stony Brook on a, on, on a pedestal, and we're not trying to gloss over the experiences of your past. Instead, what I want to do today and for the next four weeks is to make a positive biblical argument about, in light of the fact that church has been a certain thing for you, it is still important to give church a second chance, not because of my opinion or your experience, but because of what the Word of God says to be true. So with that in mind, let's pray once more and ask God's guidance as we do this together. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us here today. 
we just ask and invite your Holy Spirit to be among us, to be our guide into the words of truth. I pray that even amidst the, the diversity of experiences with church that we have here, that you would just meet us in whatever place we find ourselves to allow us to accept what your Bible and your word and your scripture has for us. And God, I pray that we would be open to receive this and to look critically at it together. I pray that you would guide us into this truth and be with us here today. Amen. So it is truly tragic, and I don't use that word lightly. It is tragic when the church causes harm. It's tragic because it is designed to be a place of healing. The first point that I'd like to make today and for launching us forward is that the church is a hospital. It is a place where we are designed to come in sick and then be healed and healthy. And as always, don't have to take my word for it. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 9 and see an experience and a teaching of Jesus that drives this point home. Matthew 9 verses 9 to 13 You can take out your Bibles and open them up, follow along, whether it's a physical Bible or or your phone. Uh, You can also follow along on the screen if you don't have your Bible, if you find it easier. And all of the passages today will be in the English Standard Version. So what happens here in Matthew 9, verse 9? As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners." So this teaching comes in the middle of a story near the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's still in the process of calling his disciples to follow him. And we have this story of when he calls Matthew, who was a tax collector. And he goes on to leave that life behind, to be a disciple of Jesus, and then to eventually write the gospel that we read from that bears his name. As a tax collector, Matthew was a very unlikely candidate to be a disciple of Jesus. He would have been considered uh, someone who had turned his back on his people by being someone who would work with this oppressive Roman regime. Tax collectors were also often dishonest and they would take extra money for themselves. They were considered unrighteous and sinners. And yet Jesus calls one of them to be his own disciple. And when Matthew agrees, they go over to his house, I'm sure, to celebrate this momentous occasion. And then Matthew also invites some of his friends to come over and to meet this Jesus. Well, if Matthew was a tax collector and a sinner, it should be no surprise that those he calls over are also tax collectors and sinners. Sinners being this catch-all term to refer to those who are not keeping the law, who are not keeping the covenant, who are not considered righteous, those who are not devout Jews of the time. And so not only was Jesus now entering into uh, the uh, house of Matthew, who was a tax collector and a sinner, he was now eating with those who were of ill repute. And eating with someone at the time of Christ, in particular, was a personal and open act. Jesus, who was a rabbi and a teacher and a righteous person, was now seemingly lowering himself down and, and saying that he was on equal footing with all of those who had considered themselves outside the bounds of the religious norm. This was something that you would not do. No self-respecting teacher would, would, would diminish or demean themselves in this way. And yet Jesus freely does so. 
But it's this very reason that causes this confusion and this anger from the Pharisees, who were teachers and religious leaders themselves. And so they are, are, are legitimately confused as to what Jesus is doing. And so they ask his disciples, why in the world would he eat? Would he put himself on equal footing with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus overhears this question, and his response is crucial to our understanding of his mission, and by extension, the ongoing mission of the church. Let me reread for you Jesus' response to the Pharisees' question of his actions in verses 12 and 3. Sorry, 12 and 13. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus is saying, I'm not just being kind to these people. I'm not just, uh, just being merciful to them or, or making an exception for them. This group of people that seem far away from God, they are the exact reason why I'm here. They are the reason why I do what I do. Jesus came for the sick. The Son of God took on flesh and came down to our level to heal those that are hurt and broken. The light of the world steps down to bring us out of our darkness. This is not an exception to the rule. This is his entire ministry. This is his mission. And if we are to be the church of Christ, it is our mission also. And so if you feel bent or broken, if you feel far from God, then you are in the right place. Jesus came to call sinners back to God. He came to bring the hearts of his people closer to God, which is why he quotes from Hosea 6, 6. Go and learn what this means, he tells to those who think they know everything. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Meaning, God does not want just legalism and blind obedience or the actions of keeping the sacrifices and the covenant. He wants the true heart behind that. He wants people restored to him to be brought back into right relationship with God. That's what it means when I say spiritual healing. It is a restoration or a healing of the relationship between you and God that then spills out to restore relationship with all others around you. And if Jesus was on mission to save and heal the spiritually lost and sick, then the church must be, must be on the same mission as well. We must have the same priorities. And so if we are called a hospital, then we need to be a hospital for the sick and not a holy huddle. Well, huddle is a good phrase or analogy right now. We're in the, in the uh, heat of football season. If you're an NFL fan, then you're likely wanting to make sure that I finish preaching on time so you can go home and catch the early game after church. If you're a CFL fan, you're probably really excited about the West Final happening uh, next Saturday where the Bombers want to punch their ticket to a fourth straight Grey Cup. And if you watch these football games, whether you're a, a diehard fan or you're just finding yourself in a group of other people watching football, you'll know that the offense gets into a huddle. And then they'll give a play call in that huddle, and then they'll all get on the same page. But the nature of that huddle, to get that play call in, to execute this play, the nature of the huddle is exclusive and secretive. You can only have those exact players in the huddle, and they want to to fool the other team so they don't know what's coming next. No one else is allowed in. That's the exact opposite of the mindset of Christ. But it was what had happened with the Pharisees in Jesus' time. They were the religious elite. They were exclusive. They looked down on those who were far from God. They did not have an interest on inviting those from the outside in. It was a holy huddle. And Jesus says that is wrong. In fact, that's the opposite. We need to have the mindset 
of a hospital where we want people who feel bent and broken to be at ease here in the church. As a hospital, we welcome those who are broken, messy, and feel far from God. And if that's you this morning, then we're not making an exception to the rule. You're not somehow less than when you come into church. This is not a place for people who have it all together. If you feel broken today, then you are in the right place. This is where you should be because church is for you. It's for you, no matter what you have gone through or what you have done. And a number of years ago, at my former church in Stonewall, we had a Saturday evening hockey. And it was church hockey run by a gentleman from the church, and it was just a few dollars to help pay for ice time. And anyone in the community was invited, anyone and everyone. And one of the rules was if you, if you came and played hockey at church hockey, then we wanted you to come to at least one church service on a Sunday morning. And a number of people took us up on that offer or that rule. And there was one young man there who had just just recently graduated high school and he had lived an incredibly rough life. Uh, He had even been stabbed and almost lost his life before he had even turned 18. And he was someone who had had dealt with drugs and was in in, uh, gang-related violence. And and he was not somebody that you would expect to darken the doors of a church on a Sunday morning. And yet, much to my surprise, he came. And he came there and, and I asked him what his reason was and it turns out that he liked a girl in the youth group. Well, I said, that's fine. You're here. This is good. And so then I asked him, what's your experience been like so far? And he laughs at me. He says, my mom told me not to come. She says, don't go to church because if you step foot in that door, lightning bolts are going to come. They'll, they'll strike you to the ground. Like, you don't belong there. And I said, she could not be more wrong. This is exactly where you need to be. I don't care what your life has been like. I don't care if you think you're a mess. I don't care if you've never had anything to do with God. Jesus came for the sick. Jesus came for the lost. He came to restore people far away from God and bring them back to him. And the church is on the same mission. You are welcome here. Church is for you. And you are not alone. No matter how far from God you feel, no matter how imperfect you feel, you're going to join a gathering of imperfect people. Our imperfection Our lack of of holiness in and of ourselves, that's one of the things that binds us together. We are not a perfect church. None of us are perfect people. We all need healing found in Jesus Christ. We are all sinners saved by grace. For church shopping, I've heard it said that if you find a perfect church, you shouldn't go there because then it wouldn't be perfect anymore. And that's true for us all. We find the perfect church, we should leave because if we stay there, it won't be perfect anymore. We all need the healing of Christ. So no matter if you are new to church or been going your whole entire life, we need the healing that only Jesus can provide. If church is a hospital, then Jesus and Jesus alone is the healer. I love the view that Isaiah got on this in his his prophecy of Jesus in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 5 and 6, this prophecy of the suffering servant that was fulfilled in Christ. Listen to the words that came before him. But But he, being Christ, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
So again, this reminder that no matter our story or our experience, when we come here, we are in the same position. All of us have strayed. All of us, every single one has gone our own way. We all need to be restored to God, and that is done through Jesus alone. Because on the cross, Jesus took his sin and, and, and the penalty of our sin upon himself. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And by bearing our sin and our shame, and by bearing the consequences of our sin upon the cross when Jesus died and then rose again three days later only to ascend back to heaven, the result of all of that is that we can be healed, that we can be restored, that each and every one of us have the opportunity through what Jesus has done to be in right relationship with God. And this is good news. It is the gospel. I like the irony of this fact in Isaiah. It says, by the wounds of Jesus, so as he is wounded and went through pain and suffering and death on our behalf, those very same wounds lead to our healing. His wounds restore us, put us back into right relationship with God. And if you want healing in your life, it begins here. Have you received spiritual healing from Jesus? He is the healer. There was a, a mini celebration in our family this past week. Silas uh, was asking Karen a lot of questions about Jesus and about God, and then he continued to ask more and more, and Karen had this conversation with him that eventually led to this invitation, do you want to trust Jesus in your life? And he said, yes, Mom, that is what I want to do. And at five years old, he made a decision of his own to receive this healing from Jesus, a very childlike faith, an immature faith that has a huge journey in front of it, but it warms my soul to know that my son was saying to Jesus, I want you to heal my life now and tomorrow and the day after and the day after that. So no matter your age or your story or your experience or your life lived or yet to live, have you received the healing that only Jesus can provide? And throughout scripture, there is a a picture of holistic healing, a connection between spiritual healing and physical healing and healing of all other sorts. We get a very good picture of this in another story from the Gospel of Luke this time, chapter 5, verses 17 to 26. I love this story. Maybe it's one of your favorites as well. Listen to this story of healing, picking up in verse 17. On one of those days, as he, being Jesus, was teaching, the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, and they had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. Now notice at this moment that this man is lowered before Jesus and it comes time to heal him. Notice how Jesus doesn't start by healing what physically is the problem. He doesn't start there. He starts at a different point. He says, Man... Man, your sins 
are forgiven. He starts by forgiving his sins. He starts by restoring his relationship with God. Now, there was a Jewish belief at the time, and we see it else and another place in the Gospels where where, uh, Jesus and his disciples encounter another paralyzed man, and his disciples ask him, what has this man done to deserve such a thing? Or what have his parents done? And this belief was that all sickness was a result of sin by that person or generational sin passed down through the parents. And Jesus, in that instance and now here, isn't agreeing with that. He says, that's not the case. That's not true. There's more going on. Jesus is doing something different, something new. He is going and saying that that healing begins with a restored relationship with God, and then it flows into all other areas of your life. This is the most important. This is where all healing begins. Jesus is the healer. He wants to restore you to God, and then he wants to restore every other thing in your life after that. All other healing can only take place after you have been healed spiritually. And this healing available in Jesus is holistic, meaning it does encompasses all the different areas of our life. And so I want to ask you to consider in your own heart and mind, where do you need the healing of Jesus today? It could be a physical sickness. We've had continued stories shared here during our sharing times of those who, who just are not physically well, who want to be healed, continue to ask for that. Jesus is capable of healing that in your life. Perhaps it's anxiety or depression that have been a cloud over you and you have felt overwhelmed in the area of mental health for days or months or maybe even years. Maybe you're carrying with you here this morning a life-controlling addiction. And as much as you'd love to break free from it, all your decisions and all your priorities are now dictated by that addiction in your life. Jesus has healing for you today. Or you're looking around at your broken relationships with friends and family saying, I would like nothing more than just to be reconciled with them. I would love to have my family back together around the table, enjoying one another. Jesus can offer healing there too. Or perhaps you're looking far, far in the past. There's trauma in your childhood. There's trauma in your past experiences with church. And even though there's been a lot of time between when that's happened and now, those wounds haven't healed with time because they need the healing power of Jesus and Jesus alone. So I'd urge you, start by reconciling and restoring your relationship to God through faith in Jesus and then see what type of powerful healing he can work in the rest of your life. So perhaps now you're you're beginning to be convinced about a few things. Saying, okay, you've convinced me, pastor, about the healing available in Jesus, but what does it have to do with the church? You've, You've called this Give Church a Second Chance, but you haven't really connected the dots for me. Why should I give church a second chance if I can just go to Jesus on my own? Well, I believe we get our final vital clue in the book of James chapter 5. Again, you can turn with me there. It'll be our final passage that we read together. James 5, verses 13 to 16. We'll read it together, and then we will complete the puzzle. James says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another for the prayer, oh, so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. 
So what is James talking about? Well, the immediate context here is, again, one of physical healing. That's what's in view for James as he writes these words. And yet he draws this connection, just like Jesus did in Luke. He draws this connection between spiritual healing and physical healing. Notice that he says that healing takes a prayer of faith. That healing requires the forgiveness of sins. That healing requires confession of sins. And ultimately, it is the prayer of a righteous person that has great power as it is working. James is saying, we need to have this spiritual healing in order to receive the physical healing that's available in Jesus. Just the way that Jesus taught it in Luke 5. But here's where the church comes into play. Who prays for healing in James 5? The sick person? No. Call the elders, the leaders, the pastors, the overseers. Call the church community around you, and they will pray over the sick person for healing. And then after we confess our sins to one another, we are also called to pray for ourselves. No, we are called to pray for one another. There is a call here in James to ensure that it is the church community that can pray for healing in your life. Not convinced yet? There was another detail that we did not talk about in the story of the paralytic in Luke 5. Whose faith was commended right before the paralytic was healed? When he was, when he was lowered before the feet of Jesus, Jesus looks up. And whose faith does he commend? Not the faith of the paralyzed man, the faith of the friends who brought him there. And it's on their faith and their prayers that he responds and says, your sins are forgiven, rise up and walk. We should give church a second chance because it is where our brothers and sisters in Christ can pray for our healing when we may not have the strength or the energy or the faith to do so. And there are times in your life when you just can't when you are overwhelmed, when you are angry with God, when you are questioning him, when you are tired. And it's at those moments in particular in which the church can pray for you when you just feel like you can't do it for yourself. And in so, we, with one another, are caregivers for one another. So remember, the church is a hospital. It's a place designed for healing. And Jesus is the great physician. All healing comes from him, not from me, not from the leadership, but from Christ alone. And sometimes when we walk into community as a church, sometimes we do so at the end of our rope and we are patients in desperate need of healing, in desperate need. And again, this is something that has been the case for me. And after I learned that my mom had terminal cancer, I spent a whole week in a fog and I couldn't get my thoughts together. I couldn't put one foot in front of the other. There was no way that I could pray the prayers that were needed, but I didn't need to. Because you prayed for me. You prayed over me. There's been a time when I have been a patient in this hospital. But other times you may come into this community and you are feeling like you are in a place of spiritual health and wellness and you were called to be nurses and doctors, praying over others, praying for them, encouraging them, giving them what they need in their time of need. As we prayed for each other and for others here on Sunday morning, we also meet weekly as a spiritual life and care team. And one of the things that I love about that, it's a moment where we as leaders can pray not for ourselves, but for other people in the church. Each and every week, we have the responsibility and the opportunity to live this out in some small way, to pray for you, to intercede for those who feel like they may not be able to do it on their own. 
We all need the prayers of the church when we are overwhelmed. It is the place that God has designed to heal the wounds that nowhere else can heal. So again, I don't know what your story is. I'm not sure what you have faced in the church and in life. And I don't know exactly what you are facing now. But what I am convinced of, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is that there is true healing power in Jesus that is designed to flow through his church. Power enough to heal whatever you are facing. With that in mind, I want to share with you a music video by Brandon Lake that uses some footage from the show The Chosen. And it's a good um, just depiction and truth about the healing power found in Jesus' name. I hope you enjoy. Jesus of Nazareth! My friend has been paralyzed since childhood. Tear off the roof, the king's in the house. Just get me to Jesus, I don't care how. I don't have to wait to get the healing. I got a faith without a ceiling. So tear off the roof, cause the king's in the house. There's power in the presence.
Your faith has made you well. Again, I want to thank you for being here as we explored what happens when the place designed to make you healthy leaves you sick. just encourage you to, to join us for the other three Sundays this month where we talk about what happens when a place designed for community leaves you lonely. What about the place designed for unity leads to division? And what happens when the place of holiness leads to hypocrisy? These are going to be things we continue to uncover together as we explore giving church a second chance. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Sunday.